you to open your Bibles back up to the Scripture that was read in our hearing from Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. We're going to be spending the entire session dealing with that particular text in Luke chapter 10, and it would be good for to have that text before you. There are a lot of ways for us as Christians to serve God. There's a lot of things that we can do. There's a lot of things that we should do in order to serve Him. But one of the greatest ways that we can choose to serve our Father in Heaven is to serve our fellow man. It is a blessing to the congregation. It is a blessing to the community when members of the Church of Christ go out and do the things that people need done for them in the name of Christ. So one of the greatest ways we can serve our Father in Heaven is to serve the people that need us in this particular world. We need to love our neighbors as ourselves. We need to to set forth that idea or that ideal before the people of this world. It is something that we need to do in order to impress upon the minds of the people that come in contact with us that we are greatly concerned about their welfare, about their betterment, and we are also concerned about making sure that we represent our Lord and Savior in a fashion that He would want us to represent Him. Now, you might remember a time when these type of billboards were rather popular in the Orlando area. It was always a pleasure for me to see one of these uh, types billboards out there. It always caused me to smile. It always caused me to think that uh, thousands or maybe tens of thousands of people were passing by seeing this particular idea, this particular religious thought planted in their mind. And I remember thinking that I was hoping that it would make a difference, that it would make an impression upon the minds of the people that would see these types of billboards in one place or another. But as it fits into the lesson this evening, that love thy brother thing, God meant that. That's one of the things that we need to do in the world in which we live. And one of the ways that we can serve our Father is to serve the humans that we come in contact with. So we're going to deal this evening with who is my neighbor. And we're going to use Matthew or Luke chapter 10 as the basis for that. If we take a step back from Luke chapter 10, I think we can see something rather interesting about uh, the book of Luke itself. Now, those of you that know me, those of you that have been involved in some of the classes I've been blessed to teach at this congregation or other places, know that I'm the kind of person that likes to get into the details. I like to know what a phrase means. I like to know what a word means. I like to dissect it. I like to know how it applies to other passages of Scriptures and how other passages of Scripture apply to that word or that phrase. That's why it takes me three or four years to go through one of the books in the New Testament when someone else could go through it in six months. I like to get into the details. I like to examine it very closely. But sometimes you can get so close in a study of a word or a study of a phrase that you lose track of the overall meaning. You lose track of the big picture that God wants us to have. And in Luke, the book of Luke, it's one of those places where if we take a a step back from what we have, we can see that between chapters 10 and 19 in the book of Luke, there are 15 parables that are used in that section of the book of Luke that are used nowhere else in the New Testament. 
That means that Matthew doesn't record them, Mark doesn't record them, and John doesn't record them. They're unique to the book of Luke, but they take up that entire center section of the book of Luke. Uh, An entirety of ten chapters are caught up in this particular section. Now, in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 29, Jesus is answering the question, Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor is the question that Jesus is answering and the question that we are going to answer tonight. This is not a parable about a good Samaritan. It is a parable about who is my neighbor. Now, if you're using a New Testament that has captions over the paragraph, I can say without a doubt that you have the words inserted, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Or if you're using a Bible that puts captions at the top of the page, you have a section titled, The Good Samaritan. But this parable is not about a good Samaritan. It is not about the good Samaritan. In fact, the word good is not used in this parable anywhere. That's not the point that Jesus is trying to get across. Jesus is teaching a parable in order to answer the question, Who is my neighbor? So that's what we're going to deal with tonight. Not the parable of the good Samaritan, but the parable of... Who is my neighbor, as this question is asked? Now, let's look at the text again, if you don't mind. In verse 25 of Luke chapter 10, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's a good question to ask, a proper question to ask. Verse 26, And he said unto him, What is written? How readest thou? Oftentimes, when a teacher knows that a student asked a question, but they already know the answer to the question, they will simply answer the question with a question. We, have, we see it done all the time. In fact, you as parents, no doubt, have done this numerous times. You've had a question posed to you, and you know that they know the answer, so you just answer their question with a question, and they've got the answer. That's exactly what Jesus does here when this lawyer asked him this question. In verse 27, And he answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 28, And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Hence the parable that Jesus teaches, answering the question that the lawyer posed, Who is my neighbor? So that's what we're going to deal with tonight. Who posed the question? Well, a lawyer posed the question. Now, what do you think of when you think of a lawyer? My opinions, my opinion of lawyers is very low. Every experience that I have ever had in my life with lawyers, except one, has been when a lawyer was trying to pervert the law, twist the law, 
abuse the law to get someone out from answering for justice, out from answering their violation of the law. So that planted in my mind a very low opinion of lawyers. They don't want to follow the law. They want to twist it, pervert it, and use it improperly to get someone off from answering for a crime that they have done. You might have had the same experience. I don't know. But some people have just the opposite opinion of lawyers. They think they're wonderful. They think they're great. They have been able to use them to get justice. So I suppose it all depends on what your personal experiences are with lawyers. Mine happen to be very poor. But this was a lawyer that posed the question to Jesus. Now, interestingly, this is not the kind of lawyer that you and I think about. This lawyer was a lawyer that studied the law. And you're going to say, well, duh, that's what all lawyers study, right? But this particular lawyer in the first century was a person that studied the law of Moses. What he did is he studied what was written concerning the law of Moses, and the reason that he studied the law was to be able to tell the people what the law said, uh, to be able to deal with the facts and the ideas behind the law to the common person that didn't have the advantage of studying the law like he studied it. So that's what we're talking about here. When Jesus is dealing with this question, and who is my neighbor, it was posed by a man that knew the law, that studied the law. In fact, he was the one that was supposed to be able to explain the law to the common person. This is important for us to understand the parable. It's important for us to understand the background so that we can understand the parable that Jesus is teaching here. To most Jews, the law was a system of... Uh, uh, I can't read my own writing here. Ceremonial performances which did not control their everyday life. Or in other words, their, the law of Moses that they followed was there because of ceremony. It was there for them to, to do a certain thing in a certain way. But it wasn't what controlled their thoughts. It wasn't what controlled their daily lives. It wasn't what controlled the kind of people that they were. It was basically there for them to perform certain acts in order to be pleasing in the eyes of God. Maybe the best example of this is in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23, where Jesus himself is dealing with the Pharisees in the city of Jerusalem. And Jesus said in that passage of Scripture, Woe unto you, uh, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye do tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done, and not leave the others undone. If you were to understand what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees here, uh, the scribes that he calls hypocrites, they understood the law, the, the, the points of the law, to the point that when the harvest came in in their gardens, they would collect the seeds from the mint plant, and they would collect the seeds from the, the anise plant and the cumin plant, and they would count them out, and every tenth seed was set aside so that they could offer that as a tithe to God. 
and they were very meticulous. They were so meticulous that they would count the seeds of the plants that matured in their garden so that God would be sure to get His part of what they had and they didn't even think about judgment or faith or the more weightier matters of the law. Or in other words, every ten seed had to go to God, but this law of Moses is not going to change who I am. It's not going to change the way I think. It's not going to change the way I conduct myself towards other people. Jesus took the opportunity that He had here, posed by the lawyer asking this question, to teach a man that was supposed to be a teacher of the law. That's what he was going to do. Why? Because for 1,500 years, the Jews had been very unneighborly. They didn't care a thing about what was going on to the people around them. They separated themselves. They isolated themselves from other people. Jesus was preparing the people that were there in the first century that he had the opportunity to teach to make the transition from Judaism to a new religion, Christianity, which was going to require them to adjust the way that they thought about people. They were going to have to become a social nation rather than an isolated or separated nation. So he was taking this opportunity to teach them. Now, remember this point in history, the Jews couldn't care about the salvation of other people at all. They thought they were special in the eyes of God. They thought they were the only ones that had the, the right road in the eyes of God, and they literally didn't care about the other nations around them. We all know the story behind the information contained in the book of Jonah. Now, if you don't have the opportunity or haven't taken the opportunity to be with us on our Sunday morning Bible study that Brother Johns is teaching, I'm going to urge you to take advantage of that opportunity because he's going through the minor prophets and he's setting forth information that is, that is relevant to our world. We can glean things from the teaching of the minor prophets that are going to be profitable for us as people and beneficial for us as New Testament Christians. But this morning he started the study on Jonah. And Jonah is a perfect example of what we're talking about, uh, answering the question, who is my neighbor? Because Jonah was commissioned by God to go to Nineveh, a foreign city, and tell those people what they needed to do to get out from under the wrath of God, the certain destruction of God, and Jonah could care less. I don't care about those people in Nineveh. In fact, when Jonah got commissioned by God to take the message of repentance to Nineveh, he went down and got on board a ship and went to Tarsus, which is the other direction. He was trying to run from Nineveh, and he was trying to run from God. He didn't care about the souls that were in Nineveh. So this is the background, if you will, for the information that we have in the parable that Jesus taught when the question was asked, who is my neighbor? Okay, let's go back to Luke chapter 10 and look at verse 25. The question was posed, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? The lawyer's response was a summation of the Ten Commandments. Now notice the, the summation that this lawyer, a person that studied the Old Testament law, the summation that he gave. 
The first four commandments in the Ten Commandments were directed towards man's relationship with God, and the next six commandments were directed towards man's relationship with other men. So 60% of the Ten Commandments were on how we are to treat other people. Or in other words, it tells us who our neighbor is in the Ten Commandments. Six out of the ten tell us how to properly deal with other people on this earth. Now, in Luke chapter 10 and verse 29, Jesus said to the lawyer, You've got this figured out. You know what you're talking about. You have answered me correctly. We need to have that kind of attitude. Okay, Jesus said that. This do and thou shalt live. And what did the lawyer say? Wait a minute. You're trying to tell me that I got to love other people? That's not what I want. That's not the direction I That's not why I brought this question up. Don't focus on me. I'm trying to get out from under this responsibility, not trying to go farther along in this responsibility. And that's when he asks the question as brother Paul read justifying himself or trying to justify himself, who is my neighbor? He didn't care who his neighbor was. He wanted out from under the responsibility. Jesus knew this. So that's why Jesus taught the parable that he taught. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we're going to serve God, one of the best ways that we can serve God is by serving other people. And that's the point that Jesus is making here. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Interestingly, when Jesus said in the beginning of this parable, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, he gives us such vague information that every one of us can make application of this parable for ourselves. And I believe Jesus did that on purpose. He intentionally made this very vague so that every one of us can get something out of this parable. Now, this is a Google Earth shot of Jerusalem and Jericho. Jerusalem was on top of a mountain, and Jericho was down almost to the lowest point on the face of the earth. It literally was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho because it was miles down there, and the elevation drop was dramatic from the top of a mountain to down to the lowest point on the face of the earth. This man went from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Now, this is an artist's rendition of what that road might have looked like. It, I like this particular rendition of the road because it shows it going down steeply, but it also shows how desolate it was, how open it was, how dangerous it might have been to go down this particular road. The road was extremely dangerous to go from Jerusalem down to Jericho because it may have looked very much like that. It had deep valleys, narrow passages, and many places or ravines that robbers could hide out and rob you, mug you, as you went by. It had plenty of places to hide. Now, it would be good for us to use this road as the road of life that we all must travel. Because every one of us are on a road, figuratively, from Jerusalem down to Jericho, which is very dangerous, full of all kinds of hidden problems, 
hidden possibilities, and people want to cause us to stop going on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, There are people out there that want to knock us off the road. There are people out there that want to stop us in traveling on this road. So it would be good for us, I think, to make application of the idea that this is a road that all of us could be on, all of us might be on, full of dangers, full of pitfalls, full of problems that you have to deal with. This will make the parable come to life for us. If, we're, if we make it our road, it'll make the parable come to life for us. Now, this man could have been in Jerusalem on business. We simply don't know. Jesus is purposely vague in that description. We don't know why he was in Jerusalem. We don't know if Jerusalem was his home or Jericho was his home. We don't know if he was leaving home or going home. We don't know why he was on this road. That's why Jesus taught it the way he taught it, because everybody here can make application of this information. He may have been trying to feed his family. It may have been a business trip that he was on. It may have been a business trip that he'd been on and he was going home. We simply don't know. It could have been visiting a sick friend. He might have been on his way to visit a sick friend, or he might be coming from a visit to a sick friend. Again, you can fit your life into this parable anywhere you choose to fit it. We also uh, can fill in the blanks with our own lives anywhere we want to, any way we need to, because this parable is about the life that you live. We need to make sure that this could be us on this road. We understand it could be us as this parable unfolds. This man was robbed of his clothing and left for dead. Now, the reason he was robbed for his clothing and left for dead is because that's probably the only thing of value that he had. Or, in other words, when the robbers jumped him on the road, mugged him on the road, they took everything of value this man had and left him for dead, naked, on the road. Left him without anything, not even a stitch of clothing on his body. That's what Satan wants to do with you as you journey through this life, is to strip you of everything of value in your life and leave you naked and dying beside the road. That's why this parable is applicable to every one of us. We all can see ourselves in this if we try. It even sounds a little bit like the evening news, doesn't it? People being destitute, left for dead on the side of the road, stripped of everything they have. It happens all the time. And Jesus points out two men to this lawyer. He said there was a priest that went by, saw what was happening, and passed by on the other side of the road. And there was a Levite that went by, and he also passed by on the other side of the road. Now, the reason he points out the priest and the Levite is because this man was a lawyer. This man was a scribe. This man was a doctor of the law, and he would be able to relate to the two people that didn't help the man in need. This would be his people. This would be the kind of person that he was. He did, Jesus didn't specifically say, this is you, but he did say, this is the kind of person that you are, a person that is well-respected according to the law of Moses, a person that knows the law, a person that has responsibility as far as the law is concerned because the priest did the priestly duties, and the Levite also worked in the temple because of the tribe that he was born into. It's all about these people having responsibilities to 
the law, and yet they did not take care of the man that needed help. They did. They ignored him. I can imagine that this uh, priest had some. I mean, this uh, lawyer had a lot of things going through his mind at this time. In order for the priest and the Levite to help this man, it would have been inconvenient for them. They would have had to stop what they were doing and help the person. It's always a, a, a struggle or a nuisance for a busy person to stop and help another person. Whether you're a man or a woman, this is something that happened to us all the time. We do not have the right, brethren, to teach one thing and practice something else. And by that I mean... We don't have the right to tell our friends that we're here to help people, to serve people. We don't have the right to teach our young people that they need to to take responsibility and serve other people and then not demonstrate that we will serve other people. We don't have the right to teach one thing and practice something else. We must be the kind of people that will wake up to the fact that God wants us to serve other people, and when we do, we are actually serving God. The point of the parable is mercy. The point of the parable is being neighborly. That's what Jesus was trying to get across here. It is said the Jews hated the Samaritans. They didn't like the Samaritans. In fact, in John chapter 4 and verse 9, the, the woman at the well in Samaria said that the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. So there was a, a wedge driven between these two. And you can just about imagine uh, what was going on in this lawyer's mind. We all know why the wedge was there, because the Assyrians came in and captured the northern kingdom and took those people away, and then they transplanted other people, Gentiles, into that area. And most people will tell you that they intermarried, and that was the problem, but there's absolutely no evidence at all that there was intermarriage between the Gentiles and the Jews. But when the Gentiles did come in, they brought their idols with them, they brought their their false way of worshiping with them, and that contaminated the people in the north. But there was a problem between the Jews and the Samaritans because of this. Can you imagine this lawyer listening to Jesus' explanation of who is my neighbor, and he's got a priest that wouldn't take care of anyone, he's got a Levite that wouldn't take care of one, and yet he hears that a Samaritan took care of him. Can you imagine the way this, this lawyer's mind was spinning at this time? Wait a minute, you can't teach that. We're, we're good people. And the, you're saying that the priest wouldn't take care of him and the lawyer, I mean, and, his, and the Levite wouldn't take care of him, but some Samaritan did? Jesus is teaching about what it takes to be neighborly. What it takes to, to serve someone else, and that is the whole point of this parable. Yes, when God said, love thy neighbor, he meant that. He was trying to get something across to us. And when Jesus had this opportunity to answer this question, that is exactly what he taught to this lawyer in Luke chapter 10. And that was, when you serve your fellow man, you are in fact serving God. And we need to get back to that. Who is my neighbor? The person that's in need. Who are you to serve? The person that is in need. 
Brethren, this parable is a parable to teach us our responsibility to help the people of this world that need our help. We cannot ignore this parable. It's not a parable about the Good Samaritan. It is a parable about teaching us who our neighbor is. And we need to approach it that way. If you need to get your life right in the eyes of God by being baptized for the remission of sins, or just come back to the Lord in repentance, we pray that you will do so now as together.